0: I did eat almost an entire bag of Funyuns. Why are you eating Funyuns? I love Funyuns. I love Funyuns. I don't know who brought those Funyuns into the house. So then I was pouring the Funyuns into a bowl. I love Funyuns. (laughs) I think you have to give yourself permission to occasionally have a bag of Funyuns.
1: (laughs) I've always wanted to do a podcast with different women who have different points of view. Or just like a show where I force people to talk about The View with me?
2: Is the world class? Yes.
1: I'll call it Deja
2: The View. I I never thought about it, Whoopi.
1: Hello, hello, hello. Welcome (laughs) to Deja The View. It's a little different because we are physically isolated from one another. Mm. So Marie, Sean, and I are doing this podcast over Skype right now.
3: And now just know we can do this, we are never going to
1: get together in person again.
4: Yeah, exactly. Like the ladies of The View.
1: So now we can't see exactly how much Sean is drinking while we (laughs) do this. (laughs) I'm just having a water. (laughs) And we're also going to be joined a little later by our friend Evan Ross Katz who you may know from the online.
4: Mm -hmm. And he has his own podcast as well called Shut Up Evan. Um, So we'll be talking to him about everything that's happened with The View and his opinions of The View. I hear
1: a siren in the background. Sounds like there's an emergency.
4: It's it's on my end, but Sean, it might be heading towards you.
3: (laughs) I can actually hear it coming. Now that we're neighbors, Marie and I share a lot
4: including sirens
3: (laughs) and microphones. I did a contactless drop off Mm -hmm. of a microphone
1: to Marie's house the other day (laughs) so that we could bring you this amazing content,
4: (laughs) this amazing sound quality.
1: (laughs) The siren is actually coming
3: down my street right now. Wow. It's nice to feel so connected
1: and yet so isolated.
5: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's obviously very dark times in the world. Marie You were just talking about how bad things are in Toronto right now. Um, We're in a state of emergency. We're all being told to stay home and businesses are closed. Um, The view has been replaced every day at 11 a.m. with uh, the Trudeau show.
4: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Every day the prime minister comes out and says, we're not doing enough. Here's the other things that we're gonna be doing,
1: <laughs> yeah, and as much as uh, he, Justin Trudeau has sucked at a lot of things, it's uh I don't mind seeing him every day from outside his home <laughs> no,
4: and I feel good that at least uh, things are being done like we were just saying before we were recording that it... Seems like we, in terms of precautions, we're kind of at a similar level as a a lot of major cities in the United States are. But for us, we're doing it a little more precautionary, whereas for them, they're just like reacting to how bad it's gotten. So hopefully it'll help prevent a bigger amount of cases.
2: We're
1: taking it more seriously than the states and... um we we have a lot more access to health care. So that's uh, yeah. one good thing about living in Canada and one uh, worrisome thing about the States. Um, so shall we talk view updates? I'd love to. So in all of this darkness, we had a little bit of light, which was the Rosie O'Donnell show uh, making... For one night only, returning in its new format on YouTube Live um, to benefit the Actors Fund. Mm -hmm. And apparently she raised $600,000, I think I saw. Yeah. So did everyone watch? I know you guys watched as Marie was live tweeting it.
4: (laughs) (laughs) It exceeded my expectations. I mean, obviously everyone would have loved for it to be the true Rosie O'Donnell show in terms of like her having a set and it not being live streamed from her garage with her decoupage strewn across the floor in the background. (laughs) But in another way, it was like better because of what it was. Um, It gave us so many, memorable, like unexpected moments. And it also offered a glimpse into all of the people's lives in such a way that we never would have gotten just from like like a regular straight up on set interview. I feel like in the two, in the two minutes, even less for some people, we learned more about them as people than like in a 20 minute long interview. Like, I'm just going to go through a few of my personal highlights, (laughs) beginning with um titus uh, burgess in his he, bathroom in his clearly in his bathroom it might have even been in the shower but unlike the tina turner singer he was pretending like it wasn't his bathroom
5: <laughs> and he
4: did the thing that like is so theater it's like just so theater where you like Need people to know that you know Sondheim, and because it was Sondheim's birthday, he had like strategically, um, like placed two Sondheim song or or or, like books behind him on his like tiled bathroom (laughs)
2: like
4: (laughs) uh, (laughs) shelves, just to be like, I know it's, it's Sondheim's birthday. Like I know. Like he had staged it in such a way that. Uh, to me was like more I learned more about him than I ever would have from a regular interview the also thing there the other thing that I was like I absolutely lost my mind over and it was like peak glee and peak theater was the fact that Audra McDonald and Patti Lapone, who are like two very iconic theater leads they had prepared the same song to sing without knowing, <laughs> and they both introduced the song, being like, "Well, I just thought I'd prepare a little something special for you." Like thinking that this was like the biggest moment of the night, and they both did smile, um, <laughs> and it it just like killed me. And then the same thing happened later with Billy Porter and Randy Rainbow. They both were wearing the same Barbara Streisand t shirt. And they both tried to do a big reveal to Rosie being like, I got a little something special for you, Rosie. <laughs> it like you couldn't have asked for a better uh, like a better summary of just like theater people. Um, so f- for me, it was just like the-, the most delightful three hours of my life. Like we- I haven't even talked about Sarah Jessica Parker judith light it was just like absolutely yeah
1: i was just gonna say because i kind of in the first hour i was kind of in and out and then i came back in um after that like fully paying attention and like my highlight was just all of the troubleshooting that her (laughs) eric i don't know what to call him her producer eric Eric, all the troubleshooting that he did and the incredible problem solving with judith light um she didn't have her audio on, and then he started thinking quick and was like, "Let me just call you," um,
4: and, on her landline phone, too. which
1: he then <laughs> accidentally held his cell phone up, showing <laughs> Judith Light's phone number. <laughs> that was my favorite part, and of course, of course, in addition to the Tina Turner bathtub saxophone solo,
4: going to and, and the fact that they had to go back to her three times because. They kept not picking up her audio. So the girl was sitting in the bathtub for at least two, maybe three hours.
3: Yeah, like unbelievable. All I could think was like the water's cold. She's <laughs> pruney, like so pruny, And she's sitting there in her like Chanel bathing suit. Yeah. <laughs> and she's just waiting and like, oh, yeah, that's showbiz, then- baby. <laughs>
4: The ending with Barry Manilow, where he's sitting in his home office, and directly behind him, there's uh, a Judy Garland like framed, it might have been like an LP or something, but then there's also a Judy Garland branded Kleenex box and the biggest printer you've ever seen in your life. Like, how much is Barry Manilow printing? At home. And how much of it has to do specifically with Judy Garland?
3: Um, The moment that really sort of took Rosie live to the next level for me was when the actor from uh, Waitress, Gavin Creel,
4: was on.
3: And he was like, by the way, I have coronavirus right now. And he's coughing. He's talking about how everyone in Waitress is testing positive um and that he has the symptoms but he's not getting tested and uh it was like it just shook me a little bit to it, see this benefit uh that brought about by coronavirus and having this mm-hmm. actor being like I have it and like okay. struggling
1: through it that like oh god yes me. yeah but then immediately after that we get Miranda Sainz oh my god who <laughs> completely like misread the tone yes. of like <laughs> <laughs> and just started, like, like, making fun of Gavin Creel. Cre- Creel?
4: Yes. Gavin Creel she was for like, having it. Oh, Rosie, I hope I don't get coronavirus <laughs> from the waitress. Oh, Rosie, back away from the mic. You're going to get coronavirus.
5: I just a- to freaking Gavin Creel who said he was infected. Oh. And you're going to spread it. But he's in a different place than me. You can still talk to you. The government said if you are talking to someone or around someone who is infected, you can get it. You're going to spread it to me.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Let me... Let me see if I, should I just cover my mouth like
5: this? That would be better, thank you. Also, I don't really like the look of your mouth right now, so this is better on multiple occasions. Yeah,
2: because I don't have any lipstick on either.
5: No, you don't. It's embarrassing, quite honestly. So this is terrifying that now you're infected probably. So now I'm probably infected. And honestly, I left my quarantine quarters to be here today.
4: Really? Because
5: I thought I was getting a koosh ball
4: and i was like please stop like it's like it was very uncomfortable for me like i don't know how the rest of the world took it but i found it to be extremely uncomfortable
1: i think it was just you know it was live and she was committed to the bit and she didn't have time to think it through
4: but it didn't fit the miranda that i know from uh her starships video from like 13 years ago
3: to be honest, it was the only time in Rosie Live where I was laughing with the show and not oh at God. the show. So, I'll give it that. But it was weird. Of course it was weird.
4: Um well, I also like I loved um Sarah Jessica Parker and Matthew Broderick. Um also because in the promotion of the uh of the live stream, they were saying that there would be a performance from Sarah Jessica Parker. <laughs> Uh, the only performance was her uh, trying to sell Rosie her daughter's Girl Scout cookies.
2: Well, well,
0: what happened was my little seven year old got the thin mints out of the freezer and hid underneath the chair and ate her brothers, her twenty year old brother's thin mints.
2: <laughs> was not It was a big problem here in Saddle River, New Jersey. I can tell you that. So I I call my friend Jackie, who I knew would have some, and she came and left some on our porch. And then I like ran in like a beggar, please, please take my Thin Mints plate. I don't want your Thin Mints. You know, it was like a big drama.
6: If
7: you need Thin Mints, my girls are Girl Scouts and their online digital orders are still
4: (laughs)
2: available. Well, I will Google that as soon as we get done with this because it's an emergency Thin Mints.
4: I also, I loved um, Adina Menzel. Um just because I love Adina Manzella, there's not much more to it. I I out of oh. all of the people, out of all of the Glee cast members who <laughs> ended up being <laughs> on it, I could have done without Darren Chris and um Matthew Morrison, and I could have done with a little more Leah Michelle, but that's me.
1: Oh no, I love Darren Chris, but I just remembered Catherine McPhee and David Foster.
4: Oh yeah
1: she sang Celine Dion it was great but I mean their whole relationship is so fascinating in general but when she was like we each donated a thousand dollars of our own money just to like (laughs) just to like affirm to us like she spent a thousand dollars of her personal money that didn't that David Foster didn't give to her
4: oh my god was it
1: just me or that was the one one of the ones that I couldn't hear
3: like the audio was really yeah. lo- good job eric for pulling all of that together but eric a king. The, the audio quality was all over the place
4: well what it did for me was like it taught me that a lot of really really famous very very rich people have worse internet connections than i do
3: <laughs> and that's comforting yeah the thing that i loved about the whole show was just seeing rosie interview like there's just every time i see rosie interview she has such a natural and um, and enthralling sort of interview style that it just like draws you in. It just feels genuine. And I really miss that on my TV. Me too. I I saw her give like a post-show interview where she was asked like, would she do it again for another cause? And she didn't really say yes, but she didn't really say no. And of course the article was like, Rosie, considering, or like Rosie Live coming back for good. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if we'll see it again. She seemed tired at well, the Well, she
1: also said... They also, in Variety, asked her if she would relaunch her old show. And, of course, she was like, yeah, maybe. Like, she said <laughs> um, that people love nostalgia. And they, they she's considering it. But it's like... I don't know. They already brought it back on the own network. And no one except for me watched it. So... <laughs>
4: It was a different time, though, and I think that, like, the success of this kind of exceeded a lot of people's expectations, and I think that it shut some haters down, too. Um, Like Sean was saying, I think that everyone kind of forgot how flawless of an interviewer Rosie is, and I remember when Ellen first started her show, and people were saying that, like, she really kind of followed the same uh interviews and, and like show style that Rosie had started. But now looking back on it, they have such a uh, an ins- like an incredibly different uh approach to their guests where Rosie is like all about praising and it's like unconditional love and support and she's never making fun of the guest. Whereas Ellen's style is like entirely about making fun of the guest. And so I think that especially now when everyone is feeling so down and looking for a little bit of sunshine, an interviewer like Rosie, who's all about putting people up on a pedestal like is like more needed and more welcome than ever versus an interview style that's so popular now where it's all about making fun and belittling people.
3: Like one of the great examples of how she does that, and and it's it's about like the personal relationship that she can form with celebrities, either that because she actually knows them or because she just gets them very mm-hmm. quickly. And one of the moments for me was when she was talking to Kristen Chenoweth, was which was a highlight in itself. Um, but she had. Kristen Chenoweth's boyfriend had come into the frame and so he was talking to her and the second he stepped out of frame Rosie went like I didn't know you had a new boyfriend like (laughs) and it was like a really cute funny moment and that's what Rosie does it's like off the cuff like yeah interesting funny quirky moments and it's nice to see that that Rosie is still around because all we see is Twitter Rosie which is like
4: tweeting about Trump yeah.
3: yeah
1: okay so now is probably the perfect time to announce. We've already announced it, I guess, on social <laughs> media that we are going to be doing our own live show
4: on based Sunday on and
1: inspired by Rosie Live.
4: Yeah, on Sunday at 7 p.m. in the Rosie slot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you can see that on our Twitter at Deja the View Pod. Or you could watch it directly on Periscope, I guess. Which Um, we don't know how to do,
3: but... (laughs) Just go to our Twitter
1: page. And we're going to be joined by Deja the View's favorite game master, Spencer Fritz. And we're going to be playing a few games. It's not going to be like a regular episode of Deja the View. We're going to play games and... Hopefully, if people are watching live, they can comment and play along with us. Okay, so um, in Other View news, congratulations are in order because Meghan McCain announced on Instagram and then later on The View that she's pregnant.
7: We're excited, Um, a little surprised. Uh, You know, it's bittersweet (laughs) because there's just a lot of people in a lot of pain right now, and... I obviously would prefer to be in studio with all of you, but I'm excited and I keep trying to remind myself that people have had babies in much worse and
4: much more intense conditions. And, you know, this is just how it's going to be for a little while. I feel like it, she's had of uh, a, a tough time talking about motherhood uh, over the last year. So I'm really happy for her and I am excited to see like like mom megan
3: i'm excited to see whittle mccain
4: yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) i think it'll be interesting because like she's on record saying like how she doesn't want kids like yes long ago like like everyone is really but like sean dug up this clip from her uh well you explain it she was a guest on the view like a long time ago is that
3: yeah she was doing like quite a few guest appearances on the view in 2009 with that iconic panel of whoopi barbara elizabeth sherry and she was on one time and of course like every day a hot topic was john and kate plus eight so she was talking about that i'm
7: at home I'm watching John and Kate Plus Eight with my mom, and she's like, totally. And I'm like addicted to the show in a really weird way. And she goes, "You know what? I'm ready for grandkids." And I was like, "Call Jack or Jimmy because I actually don't want kids at all." Good for so you, I know. I know. Good for you. I don't. And I was like, "You're gonna have to wait." Yeah.
4: Even at the beginning of her being on the View, she was like openly saying, I'll, "Like I never, I would never have kids." And I feel like sometimes those parents end up being like the most uh like chill and fun parents yeah so they not that's the people why... who
3: grew up like needing to have
1: kids
4: yeah and so that's why that's what i mean when i say i'm excited for mom megan
1: yeah, yeah. well did you guys see wendy williams reacting on her
4: <laughs> yes
1: uh, so wendy has been doing her show from home um which is really interesting because wendy her whole thing is like playing with the audience. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny to see her sitting at home and she was I'll play the clip. She was just like reacting to Megan saying she's pregnant and how happy she is for her. But just before she starts talking about it, she is like starts showing her boobs. <laughs> and then she goes on to say how everyone that's doing uh, the show from home, like all of the TV shows that are going live right wow. now from home, are, they all look ugly. <laughs> they need to yeah. put a
4: makeup on.
2: <laughs> you have no idea what kind of operation is going on around here. Tristan's on the phone. There are 20 people who've got to look at this before they okay it going by. Well, you know what, 20 people, you look at these, okay? We are working our way through hiatus. Okay. Oh, Megan McCain is pregnant. Yes, from The View. Megan, good for you. I like her. Like, I, I like that show. So she and her husband, Megan is 35, and they're going to find out whether they're expecting a boy or a girl really soon. Much like my nephew. I don't care whether they have a boy or a girl. I am ready to spoil-licious and be the great aunt. I am so ready for it. I mean, when I found out they were pregnant, I was like, look, if you guys want to go away on vacation and you want me to take care of the baby, I'll do it for a weekend, but I'll do it. I'll get a bassinet the whole, the whole bit. Like I'll do a whole baby thing. I'm built for that. I don't want one of my own and I don't want to be a stepmom. but I'll be a great aunt and I'll be a good one. If it's a girl, I already have her first pair of diamond earrings, really teeny, tiny, small ones. The first pair that I ever got in my life, you know. So, you know, um, Megan and her family are really excited about the news. And now she's trying to find the strength to keep up her role at The View. Megan, you better keep that role at The View. You better find that strength. So, but she's got to stay home for that anti-social thing that we're all doing. So I guess she'll probably broadcast from home. Megan, what I would suggest though, is put on a light beat because girl, I got to tell you, there are a lot of people broadcasting from home and they look hella horrible.
3: There's something, I know that the view right now feels post-apocalyptic, but Wendy's live show is like (laughs) post-apocalyptic. It's (laughs) dark.
4: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I love it. Um, <laughs> the other thing I wanted to mention in the View updates category is that Candy Carter, who is the EP, one of the EPs of the View, um, this article came out announcing that she is actually leaving the View. She's already left to go work on Tamron Hall, which I think is very funny because <laughs> I've said for a while now. The view is shook by Tamron Hall's theme song. Yeah. (laughs) Shine by Fantasia Barino. And the song is so good that Candy Carter could not resist and walked.
3: Across the hallway into the other studio.
4: I am absolutely I was absolutely floored, taken aback, never saw this coming,
1: yeah. It's funny because um the day that the view first went audienceless and Elizabeth was there, um, do you remember how the co-hosts were all like doing the show? And then, Candy apparently was like sitting in the audience and they could hear her talking and they all yes. yelled at her.
0: Candy, we can hear you. What the hell? Because we're on television. Candy candy. We're on television, Candy. Oh, can-
1: but it was it was so funny. So it's just it's even more funny that like shortly thereafter she announced that she's leaving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, the other thing that I wanted to uh mention is that Uh, Jenny and Sharon Osbourne were at it again. Um, Sharon Osbourne was recently a guest on Jenny McCarthy's radio show on Sirius. And guess what they got up to talking about?
5: What is it like to be on a show where you can actually finish a sentence or a thought. Oh my lord, I know. Oh my lord, I I used to watch you and I'm like, oh my god. Oh, you I mean you in just hell? you just wanted to run. run. You I could see you thinking, what the hell this am is I doing here? What I wanted to do, I wanted to go, you guys just continue with that conversation. I'm just going to be right down here I'm just, I'm hiding on the table. <laughs> it was terrifying oh. and and uh, and just I I don't even have to explain it. People know. It's tough. But to watch it now, and I don't know if you get to, like, see little clips on the news or on social media, where I'm like, oh, my God, it's gotten even worse, where you can't say more than a sentence without a ferocious battle. I know. I know. And it's like, this is unbelievable that this goes on here. Do they ever get bored of this? See, I, I adore Whoopi. So I leave her out of it, but it's everybody else. And I'm like, it's all insanity. It's like, can you imagine waking up to go into that every day? Okay, I'm going to fight this one and that one. I'm like, I couldn't. I I couldn't. I would have had a tumor on my face. Yeah, you would have done i would have yeah and then when i watch the talk and i go hey look at people america is okay with people having civilized conversations Mm -hmm. about topics it's the wrong message about women and women should support each other
1: it's crazy because these two women are so obsessed with the view sharon has a long history of talking shit about the view uh and jenny just cannot stop and it's like How much more can you say? Like, every time it's the same thing where she's just like, I was intimidated. I didn't want to fight with people. I couldn't get a word in. Barbara was mean to me. It's like, okay, move on. Can you come up with something else?
4: (laughs) Yeah, it's really strange because, like, Jenny has done a lot of other things and is literally on one of the most successful primetime TV shows right now, The Masked Singer, but you wouldn't know it based on the amount of time that she spends talking about a very small amount of time in her career on the view.
3: I had seen the headlines like Sharon and Jenny talking about the view, da, and then watching the clip, it's like they literally have nothing to say. Their criticism is that basically the view is too interesting to watch. Like their criticism is that like people disagree with each other.
1: I know and I love how you can't really compare the view to the talk like they're two different it's apples and oranges because on the talk even though it's a panel of women in no way are they talking about the same things and it's not encouraged to have a debate
4: like no it's RuPaul's friend like it's it's RuPaul's friend race best friend race it's not and it's pop culture uh, yeah, and, like, it's funny because what they were saying to try to cast it the talk in a positive light and try to um, talk badly about the view is actually, for viewers, like, the selling point of the view. <laughs> it's like, the fact that you do hear different opinions and they do debate versus in the talk where it is just, like, the friendship circle.
3: I think Sharon is obviously jealous because Sharon Osbourne's whole career is based on being confrontational and she wants to do that I think like she would love to be on the view but she's like such a non-entity in like the modern world that she would never be on the view
4: yeah that's Um, a really good point um was someone
1: just playing music
4: or was that a card
1: Oh,
3: well, I I have a church outside of my window and they're ringing the bell.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, anyways, um, I sometimes wonder if part of it is that, yes, Sharon maybe wanted to be on The View and never got the part. And then also maybe part of it is because of that whole gaffe with Kelly Osbourne, like a long time ago, where she made that comment about Mm -hmm. Mexicans uh, cleaning your toilet yeah so maybe there's some bitterness about that but it's I think the rivalry between the view and the talk is um it's gonna go on for forever and it's like it's kind of hilarious because they're so different there's no point in even having this rivalry but they keep perpetuating it and I'm living for it (laughs) (laughs)
4: And it's also just, like, so stupid and funny because, like, one could not exist without the other in the sense that, like, the talk would not even be a thing without the view because they were only created as, like, a different kind of the view. So the fact that they will, or, or at least Sharon, the fact that she will, like, go out of her way to talk badly about it instead of just respecting the fact that it came first is very funny to me.
1: Um well those are all the view updates. And now let's bring Evan Ross Katz into the conversation. He is a writer. He has his own podcast called Shut Up Evan and he has been so kind to the podcast for so long, so supportive and we're going to talk more about The View and all of the changes that have been going on in this to quote many people's emails, strange and uncertain times. Yeah, <laughs> let's get him on the phone.
4: Okay, let's go.
1: Okay, let's go, girls.
4: Bye, <laughs> oh, guys. It's
6: such an honor. <laughs> oh my god, this is so surreal.
1: How are you?
6: Good. I am better now.
1: <laughs> um, are you in New York right now?
6: I am. So I was going to warn you, you might hear like the sound of like sirens and helicopters, but I tried to (laughs) mute that out as much as possible. But you know, people are dying. So
1: yeah. Mm -hmm, I mean, mm -hmm.
6: dark, but yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: What is it like there?
6: Um, it's a little bizarre, just because mostly at night is when it starts to get the most bizarre because businesses aren't open so no one has like a reason to be on the street so it's just like on top of the fact that it's already pretty empty like during the day at night like there's no reason to be going anywhere because nothing's open so it feels particularly like empty at night interesting yeah Um, and and we're all just sort of like no one really knows what to do when they go outside because everyone wants to go on walks but like there's just such limited space in the city so it's like everyone's like oh like well, we'll go to, like, the park, and it's like, no, everyone's going to the park. Like, it's just, you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't.
1: Yeah, I went on a walk. Um, Like, Toronto is not um, on the same level as New York, but we are, like, in a state of emergency as well, Um, and we're on lockdown. Um, But I went on a walk yesterday, and I was actually listening to your podcast, but it was just so weird because no one will look you in the eye, and everyone, like, was, like, running away from each other whenever you, like, pass them on the
6: street. Yeah, I was just saying that to my boyfriend. It's like, you go outside because, like, you want to see other people, but then, as you just pointed out, it's like, everyone, as soon as you make eye contact, they look away because it's like, we've just forgotten the idea that, like, it just feels so both, like, foreign and both, like, it just feels wrong to look other people in the eye because you just <laughs> instinctually, it just, I don't know, you feel like you're, like, breaking the law.
4: yeah.
3: I went to the grocery store at lunchtime today and there was a confrontation like somebody was started screaming at somebody else and was like I'll see you outside oh my God. and this is the same grocery store where somebody had a gun on them you know mm, it's yeah
4: that's Mar- our grocery store
3: Marie's grocery
1: store <laughs> um well I'm glad you're okay um but on a lighter note thank you for coming on this call and for being so sweet and supportive all the time of our podcast
6: yeah, can I just like take a brief moment to to tell you all, you know, while I have you all, I love this podcast so much. I think you are all so dynamic and you make my love for the show grow even more through your love. So I just want to like thank you all.
1: Thank you. That's I feel very
4: very kind. It's beautiful.
1: <laughs> I, it's so I always feel like we're just it's so niche and so stupid, but for <laughs> a certain group of people, usually gays. They love <laughs> it. When it does resonate with someone, it feels so good, because it feels like we found our little niche tribe, and you're one of those people,
6: and I love that. It's just, like, a fun thing to love. Like the view, It's like, you know, I, I'm looking at, like, all the Dua Lipa tweets online today, and it's like, Everyone just loves the same things these days. So, you know, you use the word niche, but it's like once you find something and you find like 10 or 20 people, it's kind of like why I love Sarah Michelle Geller so much is because mm-hmm. she's not the thing that everyone's talking about online all the time. So my cultural cachet and my my sort of knowledge of her is sort of exorbitantly like um, more valuable versus me being like, oh my God, like stream um, Future Nostalgia just because... you know everyone's doing that so i guess with similarly with the view it's like it's a fun thing to love because when you find someone that loves it you like want to hold on to them tight
1: totally and like when we first started doing this podcast i was very like apologetic about loving the view and like especially in our very first few episodes like i would always try to like talk about other pop culture stuff to try to like see if I could bring other people in but now as we've been doing it for a few years I'm like I don't care I'm just if we're going to be the view podcast then we're going to be the view podcast and just fully go for it totally um that being said like it's not like the view like it's accessible for everyone to like the view I mean everyone knows Whoopi Goldberg (laughs) everyone should know Joy Behar everyone knows John McCain (laughs) (laughs) So you have loved The View for forever, like myself. But when did you first get into it? And what's your fave era?
6: I don't really remember a time when I wasn't watching it. I remember setting up like, be- this was like the early days of, like it was like before TiVo. I just remember setting up a recording like right around the time on VHS. This was like right around the time you could begin to record. And I w- it was like FX had just acquired Buffy and and the view, and so every day from 11 to noon, and then Buffy was like I don't know, 3 or 4 p.m. I would come home and I've had a fresh VHS tape with the view and Buffy <laughs> from that day. Um, and so that's like I mean, at least 15 years ago. Um, and the only, I didn't watch the Jenny McCarthy season, other than that, I've been pretty consistent, and I try like right now, I'm watching it five days a week, sometimes I'm like. A 3 day a weeker, but thanks in part to the podcast, I'm much more, like, I don't really have an excuse not to watch it anymore. Whereas before, I could, like, be like, well, I'm really busy, but, like, I bring it with me on the go now. And right. then, um, favorite era? Um, I mean, I very much love the era we just came out of, which was the Abby era with, with the Power Five. Yeah. Um, but my favorite of all time would have to be uh, Whoopi... Joy,
1: Elizabeth, Sherry and Barbara. Same Wow. Um I feel like they're always trying to recreate the magic of that era. Like totally. like uh they're always they tried to fill the Elizabeth slot by getting a conservative like Megan there um <laughs> and then they had to bring back Joy. Like they're always trying to recreate that And that's why it was, like, interesting when Abby was there, too, and why that's a good era as well. Because they, they, uh, they, instead of bringing in, like, another comedian like Sherry, they were like, let's bring in uh, (laughs) accidental clown. I mean,
4: yeah, to be fair, they kind of did bring in another comedian.
1: (laughs) In addition to Anna Navarro.
6: Yeah. Oh, my God.
3: But it's like, in the way that Sherry found herself as a political commentator, Abby found herself as a comedian. They had the same journey, but like opposite.
6: Yeah, and I think what both of those eras have in common with regards to like Abby and Megan and then Elizabeth and Sherry was this idea of like the importance of having two younger people on the show because there have been certain eras of the show when it was just a token young person. And I think it works best when it's sort of like someone like Megan right now because sunny is a little bit like on the in-between of the eight a- of age wise it's mm-hmm. nice when you have somebody else sort of in the quote-unquote young bracket to sort of because right now it's like megan has to pull all the weight as far as like referencing like the tiktok guy that licked the toilet bowl um yeah. the other women are like what are you talking about whereas like <laughs> not necessarily like abby would have been right there with her but it's like it's you give somebody else to sort of translate the language of the youth if you will
3: I sometimes have to remind myself that Abby and Megan are like younger cast members because, I mean, Megan, I get it because she does have those cultural references. But with Abby, it was like, when I think of Abby, I think, oh, she's older than me. But actually, I don't think she is.
4: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
1: because like Megan is so logged on to the Internet. Whereas Abby is still using, like, a lot of filters on her Instagram posts. (laughs) Yeah, she does.
4: But it's funny because... She loves the Sierra. It's funny because when Sarah is there, then she seems like the youngest person in the room.
6: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was one of, like, 200 people in Sarah's live chat yesterday on Instagram. Oh my god, me too.
4: Oh, cool.
6: (laughs) (laughs) And, like, one of the things just watching her and her husband sort of do Instagram live, I was, like she is uniquely capable of doing this in a way that like I was trying to imagine Whoopi in an Instagram live and it's like those are the aspects of Sarah that like feel the most organic in terms Mm -hmm. of just being like really plugged in with the culture but also just like understanding the nuances of like what Instagram live is and how to do it and but also like knowing her lane which is like she's going to come on there and like talk about being a mom during quarantine
3: well you know who else mastered the Instagram live yesterday (laughs) was Anna Navarro
4: oh my god
3: and, well, I'm not joking because <laughs> she actually ran a pretty smooth Instagram Live. Like, she, you know, usually when celebrities who are new to Instagram Live, they, like, can't figure out where the questions are. They're reading random comments. But she had it, like, down. She was she was having an interview with her viewers. And maybe it was because there were so few of them. But I
1: thought <laughs> she did a good job.
4: I thought you were going to say that Megan is really good at Instagram Lives because she also is.
1: Raven Simone has also been doing it but she keeps like inviting random strangers to like do it with her on Instagram (laughs) and it's really funny um Evan have you gotten to meet I know you met Joy have you met any other View co-hosts and like what was it like meeting Joy by the way also
6: yeah so I've met all of the I guess like what is the current cast I've met all of the women so about Uh, A couple months ago, I was invited by one of the producers to go. I had been once before, but, like, had a very um, standard sort of audience experience. And then this last time, the producers invited me. So, like, I had breakfast before. I did the whole thing. And then I am, like, very shy in those sorts of situations just because Joy Behar is, like, one of the few people that can really just send chills down my spine in terms of, like, level of Starstruck. So. I'm in the same room with her. It feels like a very holy space on top of the fact that like, you know, you just, as you guys probably experienced, like once you see the studio in person, you just, it feels transcendent. Yeah. And so it was like the final commercial break. And I see the producer that I know, shout out to Nathan, who's who I think is listening. Um, he was like speaking to her behind a folder and they were both looking at me. <laughs> and I was like, this could go many ways. Um, and then, so Megan, this was during the commercial. She came off down from the stage and she was like, are you Evan Ross Katz? And I was like, maybe. And she was like, I love your Instagram. And she was like, do you want to meet the women? And I was like, I was really unsure because I didn't. It's kind of like you don't want to stand too close. You don't want to look at the sun. I didn't, yeah. I didn't really want to meet Joy. Um, just because I, I didn't know if it would live up to my expectations. But anyway, so she brought me on stage, met Abby, met Sunny. Whoopi was off. Or excuse me, no, Whoopi wasn't off the day. Whoopi wasn't on stage, though. So didn't actually meet Whoopi. And then, lo and behold, there's Joy. I meet her, all I can do is tell her how much I love her lasagna, which <laughs> she thought was like a very odd comment when it's like, Joy, like I'm gay and I watch The View. Of course, like I make your lasagna. Um, and little fun fact about that encounter, I learned after the fact that Joy had been asked, or she'd been told that there was a super fan of hers there that day and asked if she wanted to meet them and Joy said no. No, <laughs> she was forced into meeting me. Oh my god.
3: Well, she wanted nothing to do with us when we were like, That's nothing. true. Everybody was... else was talking to us. Whoopi is talking to us and Joy is like looking the other direction.
1: That's what I was gonna say. Like it's kind of similar to our experience where we saw the producer like uh pointing us out to Whoopi, and as it was happening, we were like, no, 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 because I just couldn't even deal with, like, Whoopi speaking to me. Like, that was so, like, it's crazy. Um, and also, yeah, Abby, Abby wasn't really, Abby and Joy weren't having it. They didn't care, but that's fine.
6: It's funny because I feel like they love the fact that they have young fans. But I think that besides Megan, I don't think any of them really understands like, the type of fandom that we are. In that we both like, and and, and tell me if you guys feel differently, but it's like, for me, it's like, I both am laughing with them and laughing at them. And it sort of modulates between, it's nothing but love always, but it's sort of like a complex relationship in that like, they're both my mothers, my sisters, my spiritual advisors, my problematic faves. Like they sort of ebb and flow between so many uh, different categories of my life.
4: I totally relate. It's like... It's the type of camp type of humor where it's, like, I am idolizing them and they are queens to me. But it's also so campy and f- and just, like, funny and ridiculous and sometimes not on purpose.
6: Absolutely.
1: It's, like, how I feel about Megan is, like, I love making fun of her. I love... <laughs> but as soon as i see like other people making fun of her i'm like defensive of her because i'm like that that is my sister
6: (laughs) (laughs) and can i just say so i went back and listened to all of the old episodes of deja the view oh god and it's really interesting watching you guys talk about megan like in her early days when she was first coming on the show um i recommend any like newer listeners to really listen to your back catalog um unless they're megan (laughs)
4: i implore you not to (laughs) (laughs) but it's interesting
6: watching you guys because you guys have been really great about being like very um you give her credit when she's doing the right thing and i don't feel like you guys attack her in the way that a lot of other people that talk about megan do and actually i've sort of changed my tone about megan um one because she's in my stories and like i see i know where her eyeballs are um but two i also feel like and we can get into this a little bit, but like just these past couple of weeks, like you start to see that as much as I disagree with Megan on so many topics, most of them political, it's like in times like these where I'm kind of like, wait, Megan's making like more sense than anyone else on this show. And it's in those moments where I'm like, the complexity of Megan McCain is so fascinate- fascinating in that she'll never really get her due from so many people, especially LGBTQ plus people. Um, and it's not to say she deserves like all the flowers but there's a lot more nuance to her and a lot of reasons to love her um that i feel like people don't often take the time to see
4: yeah, yeah. i think that makes a lot of sense to me and like when we um when we met the ladies afterwards like what was what was most interesting to me was like I feel like out of everyone, I would get along most with Megan, even though we probably disagree about kind of black and white issues. The most, it's like as a socially, I I feel like I can understand her point of view, and like I just kind of would like to kiki with her more most out of anyone.
6: It's kind of like um, Bethany Frankel's old tagline on Housewives where she was like, I may not be a housewife, but I am real. And that's like Megan to me, which is just (laughs) like, I might not agree with you always, but like you are real.
4: Yeah, exactly.
6: Yeah, I always
1: feel like there are things that are, in my opinion, a little problematic about her at times or about things that she says. But um, I also feel like she gets so much hate like on twitter for example all the time and i feel almost sometimes when we tweet something uh slightly positive about her you'll look at the replies and it'll be not necessarily our followers but just random people like saying nastiness to her and i feel like a weird responsibility sometimes because i don't want to contribute to that just knowing that at a base level she gets that all the time so i don't always feel like i need to be like Chastising her when I disagree with her, I can just be like, well, that was kind of fucked, but like, lol, moving on.
6: (laughs) Yeah, like one thing I'll try and do now is like, I'll post the clip and I'll just like transcribe it and not like sort of give any sort of opinion about it. But then what will happen is my followers will all like respond being like, she should die. And I'm like, oh my God, like, wait a goddamn minute. So I find like, even when I try and temper my language around her there's to your point it's just there's so much toxicity around the way in which people feel about her and feel so strongly that I think people like level-headed people forget sometimes that it's like yes this is just the internet quote-unquote but like a she sees a lot of this and also like there's a difference between not liking Megan McCain and like actively saying being a person and let's be honest here a lot of times it's gay men sort of calling out a woman and I, I just feel like the optics of it get really dicey really quickly.
1: Yeah. And ultimately don't we all agree that the show is better when there's a figure like Megan McCain yeah. who Oh my like, the- God.
6: Yeah. It's like when people will tweet sometimes and be like, kick her off the show. And I'm like, no, trust me, you want her on the show. You might want you might like to hate her, but it's much more fun to like to hate her than to not have her at all. I'm convinced
3: yeah. that the people who say kick her off the show, they don't watch the show or they right. watch clips on Twitter or clips Definitely. on YouTube, but they don't also, get the dynamic of the show.
4: Exactly. And like also, as we saw when Elizabeth was back recently, like as much as people say that they don't want Megan on it, it's better to have a conservative on there who you can actually have a conversation, like an intelligent conversation with versus someone like Elizabeth, who, like, you're not even seeing anywhere close to eye to eye.
6: Nowhere. Well, I
1: also think people will say, like, it's not what Megan says, it's how she delivers it. But even that, I'm like, well, I'm having a blast watching her, <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> deliver it in all its chaoticness.
6: And even today, she, like, posted being like, because I guess she was receiving criticism about the way she looked on the Skype call. And it's like, in moments like that, I'm like, I always, I DM her quite a bit. And I always just want to, like, affirm her in the sense that, like, no one should be criticizing the way anyone looks in this moment when it's, like, people are having to be on national television from their apartments. Yeah. With, like, absolutely, I mean, that's a whole other side conversation. But, like, the fact that, that she's posting that means that she's getting a lot of response. And it's, like, in those moments, I like to privately affirm her and just be, like, girl, like, you look amazing. Like, that's, like, if that should not be something that you're having to contend with, you know?
3: I wish, like, I love how logged on Megan is, but I wish she would log off a little bit (laughs) because she doesn't need to respond to that because by tweeting something like um, defending her hair and makeup that she did herself, she's just inviting more trolls into the conversation.
4: Right.
6: So
3: just, like, put the phone down.
4: Yeah, just, like, own your headband and move on.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, all of that being said about Megan... Uh, we stand Sonny Hostin as well. So I just want to say we love Sonny Hostin as well.
3: Yeah. So, <laughs> we as well. yeah
4: unproblematic we to, fave.
1: We often talk about our
3: trip to the view and talk a lot about Megan, but I have to say that Sonny was so hospitable and so lovely and funny and really had like a joy that we were there and told us that she listens and all of this. So we love Sonny.
6: And I think that Sunny's ability to wear many hats on the show is particularly important. So it's like, she can give you like Sunny the lawyer and sort of like, she can give you Sunny gay rights activist. She can give you Sunny kooky, like I'm watching a YouTube video and I'm gonna dye my hair. Like she can give you a lot of different layers that are really important, especially in this current era when we only have four official cast members. It's all the more important to have someone that can be super versatile. And, like, that is Sunny Mm Hostin. She
3: gives us great quality content for the Instagram account because she's constantly pulling faces. And
6: we appreciate that. It's also, it's really interesting to watch Whoopi, like, really coming around to her. Because if you watch a lot of, like, Sunny's earlier times on the show, I think it's, like, 2017 or 2018, um, Whoopi seemed a little bit, like hesitant about her and sort of like where she fit in with the group. And then especially lately, I've been really, watch- cause like Sunny's having to sort of co-moderate because she's, you know, the person in studio and I'm watching them sort of modulate between one another and I'm like, wow, Whoopi like really likes Sunny, And it's a really lovely sort of friendship that I think has been built on the show.
1: Absolutely. I think Whoopi likes to, uh, likes to play that she hates Sunny, but actually loves Sunny. Um, and actually, um, as we, I thought we could kind of move on and just talk about, uh, highlights from the view in the last couple of weeks. But since you brought that up, um, I, I don't know if anyone else has noticed, but like with Whoopi being at home and Sunny kind of co-moderating, have you guys noticed that every time Sunny is like, Hey, Whoopi, how you doing? Whoopi is so defensive and is like, (laughs) I'm fine. I've always been fine. (laughs) Yes, and every single day,
3: Whoopi says, and I'm Whoopi Goldberg, your moderator.
2: Our fearless leader,
0: Whoopi, is joining us from home right now. Hey, Whoop. Hey, baby. Hey. (laughs) You look great. (laughs) Thank you. I, I am great. How's it going, Whoopi? It's still going very, very well. And I am your socially distant moderator.
4: And Sunny keeps calling her our fearless moderator, which, like, (laughs) I think that she was doing before, but now there's real emphasis on fearless. And I think that that's, like, antagonizing Whoopi.
1: (laughs) But yeah, so let's talk about some of the the other changes that have taken place. Obviously, the first thing that kind of happened was that gigantic table that they moved in. (laughs) (laughs) Which was really just the feeding
3: table, right? Like, that was the table they used during cooking segments. Yeah. um, And for like the first day, it was wooden. Like, it still had the same top. Um, It's evolved a little bit since then. But that was jarring, I thought.
6: And it was so both interesting and just hilarious watching them sort of problem solve all of these different ways in which the show needs to function in real time. So it's like, just whether it be like the table or sort of like who's on that day or how much social distancing they needed to have or is the guest coming in studio or, you know, patching in, watching them sort of like navigate this um, has been so interesting. And also I just want to say like to their credit, like, this could be so much more off the rails than it's been. And so the fact that, like, Whoopi's phone ringing is, like, the big, like, gaff right now. Like, to their credit, like, it's working pretty seamlessly.
1: Oh, my God. I loved when Whoopi's phone rang and Megan's face <laughs> when it <laughs> happened. <laughs>
6: I went around this
7: weekend and bought gift cards to every cafe in my neighborhood, every restaurant in my neighborhood. If you think about the things you wanna see in your neighborhood after this crisis
4: and you invest in them today, it will help.
6: So let me ask you about the the stimulus plan.
1: And just going back to what we were saying- The audio,
4: like the audio of we'll be going, hello, is what sent me over the edge.
1: It's funny because going back to what we were saying about all the hate Megan gets, when we posted that on Twitter, all of the replies were like, "Can't Megan act professional and stop making faces just because Whoopi's landline phone was ringing in the background?"
4: <laughs> Even on the YouTube comments, those were like the top comments. I was like, "How is how are multiple people just like always looking for some anything to blame on Megan?"
3: Like it's like if somebody's being unprofessional here, it's the one whose phone is ringing.
4: <laughs>
1: So yeah, that was kind of, so the table just kept getting bigger and the people sitting at the table just kept getting smaller. First, we (laughs) lost Joy, then we lost Whoopi. Uh, For a while, it was the the Charmed Three, Sunny, Sarah, and Megan. Uh, And then eventually it came down to the final two, which was Sunny and Sarah, with Sunny being the sole full-time (laughs) co-host. (laughs) remaining. The sole survivor if you will. And I love that for her.
6: I love that but I think as you sort of led us to I think we need to discuss Ms. Sarah Haynes (laughs) who really so I know you all love her and my sort of love of her is mostly by proxy of you all like you have made me love her more because I never I just never really connected with her when she was on the show it wasn't like I disliked her but now I'm kind of, A, reassessing my own sort of dumb decision not to stand sooner. um, (laughs) But I'm also just like, wow, Sarah is like bringing it. And suddenly that fifth chair seems pretty destined to in need of her back, really.
4: Yeah, it's like kind of wild how in these last two weeks, they've almost seamlessly brought her back to the point that it's not even like our guest host, it's just like she like this is who belongs here, so she will be here to guide us in these horrible times.
1: Yeah, um I mean, that's what happens when your own show gets replaced with a coronavirus update. <laughs> True. <laughs> but uh I always felt like the view uh the reason why Sherry was so great on it is because You need to have you know the serious conversations but you also need that one person that is going to do the dance segment or play the game with the guest or do something silly Um, and Sarah is more than happy to do those things and as much as I loved Abby we weren't we didn't have anyone on the panel during that time to do that stuff and that's why I love Sarah Um, and also her takes are always on point
4: She's like the voice of America or like the voice of the common sense viewer. And I think that that's something that she brings that no one else brings. And I think that that's what's so essential right now on the panel. I
6: also think there's a quality about Sarah that is a little bit more apolitical than the other ladies. So it's like in the case of um, Megan or Joy, it's like their agenda is very sort of embedded within their opinion. But with Sarah, I get much more of a sense of sort of like, she just wants to use the show to gather and disseminate facts. And I think that there's uh, value in all of the different uh, sort of ways in which you function on the show. But I really appreciate that role that Sarah's playing because it makes her really trustworthy in a way that as you all know it's like the people that don't like joy hate joy the people that don't like megan hate megan i feel like you'd be really hard pressed no matter what side of the political spectrum you're on to like hate sarah hayes
3: yeah i think you're right and what's interesting about that is that no there's no question of where sarah sits politically but her politics are non-threatening and that's Right. That's a really tough place to be, especially on the view which is kind of a combative show.
1: Yeah, I think we always used to joke that when Sarah was on the show, she never got a chance to speak. Um, <laughs> but I do think part of that is because she is genuinely interested in listening to everyone and then making up her mind. She's not dead set on one opinion. And I like that about her and I think I really I really hope that this means that uh, I mean, I'm sure that in, in these times, they're not literally sitting around being like, do we bring back Sarah right now? But I hope that people, you know, consider it at when this is all over.
6: Do you, if you had to say, do you think that it would happen?
1: I think so. I don't know. Who if knows?
3: If
4: you had asked me three weeks ago, I would have said, no, I'm dreaming. But now I think there's a big possibility. Yes.
3: I think if it doesn't happen Sarah's going to be pissed because she is (laughs) going in every day risking contracting God knows what and I think she's doing it for a reason like I don't know what whatever they're calling her show is is destined for at this point I mean it's been replaced by a daily coronavirus update now so it doesn't exist right now so it's on some kind of hiatus for who knows how long and The view has a lot more clout behind it, and she's going in every day to guest co-host. It seems like she would hope that something would come of this.
6: One other thing to consider is that, obviously, Megan will be going on maternity leave, you know, in six months or however many months. And so they either need to bring in a fifth woman soon so that audiences can sort of become familiar, so that there's another familiar Mm -hmm. face once we're one down. Or, in the case of Sarah, it's like you don't even have to do that. So all the more reason why I think they would want to bring Sarah back is because they're about to not only lose Megan, but when they lose Megan, they're going to... Sunny would become the youngest woman on the show. And I think that that would create a real disconnect as far as quote-unquote youth culture.
1: Yeah, and you can really see that kind of when, uh, for example, they're interviewing Joe Biden, which they did recently. And I think if there was a younger more progressive person on the panel, you would see such a different interview than what we've been getting. Um, They really kind of give Joe Biden a pass on everything.
5: Are you at all concerned, as Trump said, that we cannot let the cure be worse than the problem itself?
0: We have to take care of the cure. That will make the problem worse no matter what. No matter what.
6: You know, it's so funny thinking about that. You know, I think a lot about the way The View handled, or rather, like, mishandled Elizabeth Warren's president's, uh, presidential campaign. And there is just this, from the jump, especially with Joy, there was just, and with Whoopi, this dismissiveness around the validity of Elizabeth Warren and the idea that her message was connecting with people. And when I look at, like, the way that they treat someone like Biden, it's so unquestioning love. And so even when he has his slip-ups, they they sort of excuse it in a way that they never gave Elizabeth Warren at the time of day ever. And it always really bothered me. And like, you see,
1: like obviously Bernie is a senator and Joe Biden not. So we're seeing Bernie like talking a lot about the pandemic and what he believes and thinks should be done and is trying to get done about it. But that is not even mentioned he receives no love from the co-host ever um the only time bernie is mentioned on the show is to talk about his supporters being volatile so it's a really it's a really strange time on the view in terms of what their politics are
6: absolutely the other person i mentioned was when they had aoc on a few weeks ago and they treated her as though she was like this insurgent politician who was like upending democracy. And it's like, in that moment, it really became clear to me, like they had no one on there who is sort of of my ilk of thinking, which is like, here's this revolutionary figure within the political system. And like, I just felt like they were like taking her to task right and left. And then like, Whoopi sort of painted her out to be this like incredibly polarizing politician. And it's like, she's, I mean, I understand to some, she is that person, but there's a large fraction of people for whom Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is just sort of speaking truth to power. And the way that the show was like unequipped to sort of give her that space was very telling about sort of the the lack of rounding out of the panel at the moment.
3: It is interesting that the conversation around uh, representation of the political spectrum on The View is often focused on the right and who is sitting in that conservative seat because the rest are generally left-leaning. But they're actually... More centrist, at least in today's environment. Yeah. It would be really interesting to have a conversation about who should sit in a seat representing the far left.
6: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it makes me think about I think you guys talked about this on the show, but like when they had Barry Weiss on and Joy like didn't know what a bisexual person is. What
0: do you mean both genders? She's I'm bisexual. bisexual. Oh, you are. Okay. Oh, well, yes. How does that
2: work exactly? Oh, so okay. wait. We it's only have be... 3 minutes no, for this segment.
7: You can speed it up. Come so on. How does that work? I'm curious. I think have I you
4: never had an experience with a woman? No. Really? Never. They're never in your sex dreams? No. It's just always Steve? Yeah, it's always a man. All right, so you're straight. What what do I'm going to say? I mean, some of us are wired. I haven't. I mean, I love women
6: from the waist up. And it's like, (laughs) it's moments like that when you're like, wait a minute. Like, as much as like, because a lot of people think of Joy as like the far left person on the panel. Mm -hmm. And it's like, she is that to an extent, but her cultural blind spots, when they come out, are so glaring sometimes that you're like, it, it becomes sort of... You, she becomes your problematic fame in that moment and emphasis emphasis on the problematic,
1: yeah. I don't think we ever did end up talking about Barry Weiss in that <gasps> moment on the podcast because I think we were on one of our adorable hiatuses. <laughs> but
4: and I um, think I but I think I, like, um explicitly sent Kevin a text being like, "I will not talk about Barry Weiss, <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but in those moments, I feel like it's not that joy has never encountered a bisexual. I just think she's so like off the cuff and just doesn't care how she comes off. Like she just is talking out of her ass and having fun with it. But I don't I don't know. I don't think she actually she can't. There's no, no
3: way no. I think what was happening in that segment was sat she at a, was... a
4: table with Paula Ferris. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
3: And bisexuality is a hot topic every two months. She knows what bisexuals are. But exactly. the, the thing that happened, I think, in that segment is that she started playing a role, which was like, what? You're bisexual? What does that even mean? And then she she got so deep down that hole that she couldn't get back out. So she just kept playing into it. And then she's um,
4: how That's usually how bisexuality <laughs> happens. You get so deep in that hole that you just can't get out of it.
3: Okay. Well... <laughs>
1: Yeah, I always feel like if I could best describe Joy with a word, it would be fearless, because she will just take any topic and just say whatever comes to mind. And I don't think she necessarily even knows how to censor herself. And that doesn't really exist on TV anymore. I think Megan almost has a bit of that quality. Um, But there's no one like Joy who will just talk about any topic and just say whatever and then also has no problem she doesn't necessarily dig her heels into things like if she's wrong she'll change her mind the next day she'll be like you know what I said that the other day I changed my mind I think this now like she's not afraid to just uh, say whatever she (laughs) is thinking Um, and that's so rare on tv so love my problematic aunt no matter what (laughs) What else has been... Okay, what else in the age of corona do we need to talk about that has happened on The View? Probably Megan not being able to tell who's yelling at her.
7: Messaging from the very beginning that we need to remove our trade from China is going to be very effective going into China. But you cannot let... You don't have it to let China get away
0: with it. But you cannot, I can't
6: tell who's yelling the, at you right the now. The same first. thing that
0: he did... No, no, no There's one's yelling. Right I'm now. just trying to, to make sure you can hear me.
6: I mean, can we talk about... Megan Shading Elizabeth I feel like that was a yeah. huge moment that you guys you all highlighted on your social but to me that was like a defining moment in view history
1: Yeah so interesting because Megan has a reverence for Elizabeth and says she wants to do the conservative seat justice and uh the first appearance la- a year ago went so well Elizabeth makes her return to the view uh a year later and is talking about Corona and sounding really uninformed, um, saying that we need to use prayer and Purell and not panic and it's not a big deal. And uh, Megan let that go in the moment, but then in talking uh, last week about it, she, without saying Elizabeth's name, fully called her out you get so yeah.
7: hunkered down in places, I think even as me, just like the only conservative in the entire world left on mainstream media, at least that's how it feels most of the time. You hunker down and you get tribal and you're like, oh, but it's gotta be an attack against the president. It's gotta be an attack against Republicans. But the problem is when you're dealing with a pandemic, and by the way, we had it happen on this show as well. Not with me, but we had it happen on this show as well, lest we forget so a Republican saying that it was, you know, that we should wash our hands and pray it away. So it wasn't just on Fox News that it was happening. It happened right here in The View.
6: <laughs> it just goes to show you the difference, though, between what Megan was referring to as the conservative seat and forgetting that not only is Elizabeth Hasselbeck conservative, she's religious. And it's not to say that Megan McCain is not religious, but it is to say that, like, there are different categories of person. And mm-hmm. I think what many people forget, because again, there's been such an absence of Lizzie um, in the Twitter era. Um, You forget the fact that, like, so often her beliefs were rooted more in Jesus than they were in Republican values. And so I'm not going to get into, like, why that is, um, you know, why that can be shifty. But I think that it was that that moment where you realize that it sort of grounded the sensibility of Meghan McCain enough to not only have an opinion that differed from Elizabeth, but to also be like, I'm going to put her on blast. Um, I just thought that was so unprecedented.
1: Yeah,
3: people really have, I think, and we talked about this in the last podcast, but people really have forgotten, like, the levels of crazy that Elizabeth was and nonsensical some of her arguments were, that this was a great example of that. And it was nice to see Megan after all of her reverence that she, and she probably still has reverence for Elizabeth as the original conservative on The View, um, but to see her kind of say, like, oh, wait a second, We were spreading misinformation on this show because we had a particular guest that came and and said the wrong thing um, and we let that happen. And so we shouldn't just be blaming Fox for doing that. Yeah. Um, So I thought like I thought that was a really great moment for Megan. And that that's exactly the kind of nuance that Megan brings that we're talking about, right, that she's not all one thing. She's not black or white on some of these things. So that was a great moment.
6: I also want to point out how much how much it frustrated me the way that the show treated Elizabeth like the return of the Queen and then Lisa Ling today was just sort of like a she was brought in for segments as a guest versus just also being a co-host, which could be because it's difficult to have that many people skyping in. but I just felt like in terms of like giving people their due, they really like downplayed Lisa Ling's sort of... Um, fundamental role within the sort of hierarchy of this show and I was kind of like give Lisa Ling like a moment.
1: I stan Lisa Ling so much I I feel like she is the one like I, I, <laughs> like, I love her I watch all of her docu-series like she is such a queen um, yeah and she totally deserves to be welcomed back the same way that Elizabeth has but that being said Lisa Ling has been kind of a reoccurring friend to the show more than Elizabeth, so maybe they feel like they have to coax Elizabeth into coming by, so they have to be a little friendlier to her. Also, did everyone notice that when Megan announced her pregnancy that she did still receive a, a warm congratulations from Elizabeth? So clearly that <laughs> diss went over her head. Or,
3: yeah, I think or Elizabeth,
4: shady. maybe Elizabeth just isn't logged on enough, like yeah. the news hadn't hit her by that point.
3: Elizabeth is not watching The View, and she does not follow us on Twitter. So she doesn't know that
6: happened. (laughs) Elizabeth has never seen The View. Um, Elizabeth, to Elizabeth's knowledge, the show stopped airing when she left the show. So when she comes back, she's doing a new show, and her old friend Whoopi and Joy are there. Um, I do want to point out, though, like, Megan's dramatic change in disposition over the last couple of weeks, which of course, could be, like, attested to her pregnancy. But if you recall, like, she started to get increasingly more and more frustrated on the show with regards to, like, the general public. Then it became, like, all about, like, millennials. And, and this, you know, it carried over to social media. And it just, like, this became Megan's, you know, fight song the last couple of weeks. And then something sort of shifted, like, last week, and even you'll see it now on her social, where she's just kind of been a little bit more logged out which again like probably because of the baby but it's just interesting watching Megan's tonal shift go from one of like extreme anger and frustration to one that's a bit more just like you know what like people are gonna die and and I've I've shouted as much as I can and and there's nothing I can do about it now
1: yeah that's bleak (laughs) yeah
3: (laughs) I do think that she put up a good fight yesterday um she went on actually a few rants uh but I don't know, they didn't really seem to have the fire of of the early pandemic rants that she had. But what I really liked about that, uh, as the, those, those first few days of, you know, the view table shrinking, social distancing being introduced, was that she was so fired up about it, and she was particularly fired up about Trump.
7: Um, the mixed messaging coming out of the White House right now is not only irresponsible, but it's downright dangerous. Mm-hmm. When you have Devin Nunez going on TV saying, Oh, it's okay, go socialize. It's okay, hug people. It's fine. When you have the President of the United States that can't even handle not shaking hands during a press conference, mm-hmm. lead by example. And I'm not seeing a lot of profiles and courage coming out of the White House right now. And I think mm-hmm. that's what's stoking anxiety. And right now, I've only seen panicking to the end degree hoarding toilet paper screaming at each other or complete delusion with a bunch Mm -hmm. of millennials going out partying and at bars and I was furious about this over the weekend because I stayed inside with my husband all weekend. We, if you don't care about your own health, care about your parents' Mm -hmm. health, care about your grandparents' health, care about people over 60, because Mm -hmm. what you're doing is compromising everyone, and there seems to be no in-between. There seems to be no calming Mm -hmm. of what's going on, and I do think it starts at the top, and if you have people saying, oh, Jared Kushner's in charge, sorry if I don't think that's not going to handle everything well, Mm -hmm. and if you can't even get through a press conference without not shaking hands Mm -hmm. and putting yourself in a position where you too could be compromised, so we're supposed to say six feet apart, but the press corps is all jumbled up Mm -hmm. in one place in mm-hmm. front of the president and he has to say succeed yeah. but there's mixed messaging all the way around which is adding to the chaos yeah
3: um we know she doesn't like trump personally but she does tend to support uh or feel she needs to support a lot of what's going on uh with the government and so it was really nice to see her like really tear them down because she can be cutting as hell when she wants to be and particularly she was really going after jared Navanka ivanka And there's this great segment where she's talking about uh, Jared and Ivanka and Ivanka posting dumb social media pictures during all of this. And she's just like laying into them. And Sunny's face, every time it would cut to Sunny's face, it's getting brighter and brighter and her smile's getting bigger and bigger, like like it's Christmas morning for her. But then Megan went away and, and we haven't really, that never got to grow, which is unfortunate.
1: What a time, what a time. But I am so glad that they're still on. I'm glad that the view continues. I think they have a hiatus in April, but it has been like really nice that they haven't gone away like all of the other shows. And it's it like what as Whoopi kind of put really well, it like it makes people feel like there's some normalcy in their life to tune in and see their see the ladies and um it's such a a weird and depressing and bleak time and it feels so surreal to tune in and just see two people sitting at that table and everyone else on by skype but Mm
2: -hmm. i'm
1: i'm glad that we can still sit here and talk about it talk shit about it as we do
6: (laughs) and also like and and uh, referencing the whoopee quote that you were just speaking of like she ends up by saying like it has to do with us as a body of women saying we got you and in that moment like in that quote to me it's like not only like are we here as a sense of like normalcy to like make life more normal but it's like also we're going to help you get through this like we are here to help we're not just here to like be there for you we're here to help you and and i really do feel like that is a particularly unique moment to this cast i don't think i don't think every cast could sort of have that feeling of of togetherness it
0: is nice to hear you all each morning i have to tell you it makes me feel uh, like like I have some kind of normalcy in my life. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are watching us for the same reason, because they want to see us, but it also makes them feel like life is moving forward. So I want to thank you all for making my life better. Aww. Thanks, so, Thank you, Whoopi. Let's rock some... Well, just y'all are all right. You know I love you. So we're gonna start with some hot topics. You're not gonna hear that a lot from me, but I'm telling you today. Say it one
7: more time, you know
0: I do I love you all. I love you all. And I'm I'm so glad that we're doing this together. Because a lot of we we're, we're helping a lot of people cope. And that is, you know, that has nothing to do with what our political beliefs are, that has nothing to do with our color. It has to do with us. As a, as a
6: body of women saying, we got you. And there's just something, I feel like they've all been particularly kind to each other these last couple of weeks. And sort of like, you know, there's a moment on today's show, for instance, when Megan kind of like cut Whoopi off. And I, real, I know the show didn't show Whoopi's reaction. And I was like, I think that was, and maybe I'm reading into this, but like, I feel like that was like, they don't want to create any sort of inference that there could be any hostility at the moment because they really want to show That this is a united front. And I think that becomes particularly difficult for the editors in this moment because you are dealing with so many split screens and you're dealing with people having to know like, do we put, when Lisa Ling was on, for instance, they cut to like, they would cut between Lisa and whoever asked the question. And it's like, there's a lot of just decisions that have to be made in this moment in terms of like how the show is framed, literally. And I feel like I'm seeing a unity with them all that makes to Whoopi's quote. It's like, I really do feel that these women are are gonna help me get through this and, and it, by proxy, the country. It's like they're,
1: the re, they're reclaiming the Rosie and Elizabeth split screen and they're turning it into a positive and I'm gonna yes. cry. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> Also, I feel like now that Whoopi knows that it's possible to moderate from home, we'll never get her in that. Oh space. my God.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, well, Evan, I guess we'll let you go, but it's been so nice talking to you um, I've been listening to your podcast. It's really great. I listened the peppermint episode; fantastic.
6: Thank you. And I will be having um, a former and or current view uh, ho- co-host on the show. Um, it was supposed to be sooner, but uh, with everything going on, I don't know when it will happen. But mm-hmm. um, someone will be popping up, and hopefully, we'll get to dish because I just want to say I recently reread *Ladies Who Punch*. And it's actually like not a very good book at all. And it really only has like a couple of real like pieces of valuable information. And so I'm hoping with this person I'm going to have on to have like a sort of I feel like for fans like you, you guys and myself, it's like that book was more catering to like non fans of the show. Yeah. It's and a, sort of like, yeah. Yeah. And so I'm hoping to have more of like a inside baseball conversation that's mm-hmm. less like, You know, I don't need, like, we don't need to talk about, like, Jenny McCarthy's interactions with Barbara Walters. Like, Jenny McCarthy's (laughs) love that she got that. Um, Well, there goes
3: my guess that it was Jenny McCarthy.
6: (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, so I'm hoping to sort of, I love, like, what that book was attempting to do. But if I do nothing else with my career, like, I would love to, like, write that book. But, like, with a little bit more of, like, a, a bias, for us, bias kind of feel
1: yeah the the book is different depending on your level of view fanda or knowledge already it's mm-hmm. different to people who had no, no idea it's like what the fuck i had no idea all this was going on but to people who have been following the view for years it's like it's more just like reaffirming what you already knew with a, a little bit of down theory. memory lane
6: yeah but also like like for instance like whenever with like the rosie comeback and everything it's like once Rosie was gone and like we still were left with like the Nicole Wallace era, like that era when we were like, really off the rails, like the book didn't get into that like, at all. It sort of like, it would go deep on like specific moments. But then like, it didn't really, I wanted something that felt a lot more chronological.
1: Yeah. And it, it needs also a part like, two.
6: it needs a part two, but it also didn't give you a sense of like how long people were there. Because oh, like, you would, would think just...
1: Jenny McCarthy was there for 10 years.
6: Exactly. exactly. <laughs> And thank God she wasn't. But anyway, so, um, so I have that coming out. Um, and then I just want to take one last opportunity to say, I love this podcast so much. I love that all of you are these fabulous queer people using that uniquely queer lens to sort of love on this show. Um, and I think you all are just so smart and so funny. And of like, there are so many bad things in this world right now. And this podcast is a good thing in this world. Wow.
4: Oh, that's so nice. And, and what you've just said is exactly how I feel about your entire online presence as well. So I'm just so thankful that you could be on the podcast.
3: Um, Before you go, should we tell everybody the name of your podcast?
4: (laughs) (laughs) The elusive podcast.
6: My podcast is called Shut Up, Evan. Um, We just had our Seventh episode last week, and we have coming up on the show. So next week we have Larry Owens and then we have Hot lamode and then we have Andy Baragani from um Bon Appetit. Those are like the three the next three episodes. And then um we have some some pretty big stars in the pipeline that are very either directly view related or like of view interest.
1: Love it. Um, thank you so much for talking to us and keep in touch and stay safe.
6: Thank you, you as well. Bye. bye
4: bye
1: okay well that was nice
4: yeah um, oh my god that was so nice to talk to Evan like you said before he's been a one of our biggest supporters and People it's listen-
3: nice it, it's nice to have someone else covering the view beat every now and then so that I can have one day off
4: yeah Sean can have a little day off as a treat <laughs>
1: people listening at home are probably like well why don't you marry each other then and maybe (laughs) we all will (laughs) okay so tune into our twitter live deja the view live um sunday march 29th at 7 p.m eastern standard time um you need a twitter account to comment so make sure you have a twitter account and until then, have a great day and take a little time to enjoy bisexuals. Hit it, Abby.
4: That's all, folks. See you later. John Huntsman, the real job creator. DOP.
5: join the hunt. D-O-P-D-O-P. DOP. I love Funyuns. We're bringing Huntsman.